Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. My name's Erin and I'm a hypnobirthing and antenatal instructor, birth activist and all-round birth geek. In this podcast, I chat to experts in the field of pregnancy and birth, debunking myths around birth, diving into the research around maternity care and exploring what is it that means you're more likely to have a positive birthing experience. If you enjoy this podcast, do feel free to buy me a coffee and fund my caffeine habit. Link to my buy me a coffee page is in the podcast info. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. I'm very excited today because we've got some amazing people to come and chat and we're going to do a review of 2022. Um, We have obviously myself, we have the wonderful Jenna from Tribe Psychology, we have Helena, Doula Helena from 10 Moons Birthkeeper, we have Laura from Plus Size Pregnancy, we have Kemi Johnson, wonderful birthkeeper, we have Doula Samantha Gaston who runs one of the biggest uh, home birth groups and free birth groups and we have midwife Tasneem from Mamas Inc. Official. So what I wanted to do was have a look at what our highs and lows were of 2022 and selfishly I roped in this lot because we're all in our own little whatsapp group um, and I'm really interested to hear what you all have to say Um, and hopefully hopefully um, we have lots of uh, nuggets to share with people I'm sure we will so I'm gonna go and pick somebody and see um, what your highs of this year were. Who should I pick? Hmm. I'm going to pick Sam first. Oh. Ooh, Sam, what's your high of this year? A couple of things, like obviously going to birth. A lot of my clients now free birth. So I've been to some incredible births in person this year, which have been absolutely lovely. Um, I'm also doing a lot more online work. And the highlight for me is the oasis of normality that is my home birth and free birth groups because in a world that's gone absolutely insane and in a birth world where everybody's being induced and Bonkers. In a world where high risk is the norm my members are not having it in a world in which home birth is being closed left right and center my members are not having it they're not being induced by their droves. They're not accepting by the droves. They're writing Yay! to their husbands. We're free. They're declining. Now, that's not to say all of them. I want to make it clear. We have all of the birth stories, the stillbirths, the very occasional birth trauma stories, because we do have them, but they're rare. In my groups with, what, nearly 12, just coming up to 12,000 members in the home birth group and 1,000 members in my free birth course in a group, trauma is the exception not the norm it's rare we yeah, still celebrate those births because all the births are important but we have incredible hundreds thousands probably actually of births this year that have been beautifully normal mm, it's so needed isn't I it love that. so needed because <clears throat> i have a question go go to us what, what's your question and what what do you think is the biggest reason that your members are able to make the choices that they do? Um, and what do you think is different for them than mainstream NHS care? Peer-to-peer support. So I see myself as the spider in the centre of a web. I can't make all of those births happen, right? I just sit in the centre 
and then all the members post their stories and they all see each other declining scans and declining growth scans and declining injection. It's not about what I say. It's about the fact that, well, they did it and they did it and they did it. And obviously I, mm -hmm. I sort of file all of the birth stories. So anything that comes up in birth now has got its own guide file, mm -hmm. if you want the chapter. And then they can go and have a look and they're like, oh, Look at all these people who were told to be induced for having a small baby and they're all there in one place. Look at all these people who were told they were having enormous babies and either they've had their enormous baby and they've had a perfectly lovely birth or mm -hmm. they haven't had an enormous baby because it's bullshit and they can see it because they're like, oh, yeah. I've got a little series of posts, you know, oh, this is my predicted 10-pound baby. They were 13 weeks old when they had their babies. Mm -hmm. Go in and look at big baby and see all of those birth stories in one place. And then it that's to understand that they're being told bullshit. And you know, yeah. when we call it like 37 week bingo, what are they? I used to <laughs> but now it's just 37 week bingo. And you know, when we call the late scan that scan, that 37, 38 week scan, they're looking for a problem scan. So if mm -hmm. they tell you in my group, if, if there's somebody says they want a presentation, they, they want me to have a presentation scan, we say, make sure you tell them that's what you're having. I do not mm -hmm. consent to a growth scan unless you want yeah. one. Yeah, so I think it's that peer-to-peer -peer support, which we, we, we know is there, and it's all over mm -hmm. the but it's all in one place in my group. I think it's also that um, there's a saying, isn't there, when a woman, when a person who's birthing feels supported um, by the people around them during the birth as well, and they feel like as if they are part of something, um, they are much more likely to birth better, and that goes with both continuity from a midwifery perspective, but also from a peer-to-peer perspective. So I can see why that works. That's phenomenal. And they add that, you know, they're, they're sceptical partners. They see my partners would be sceptical. And the first thing I say is add him. Because if he's not prepared to do the work to learn about home birth, then he gets no say in your birth, right? It's much better to have his support. But if he's not prepared to come and join us and learn, then he doesn't. So they all come in and have a little nosy as well. And then once you get into the home birth group and you see all those home births happening, suddenly home birth isn't terrifying anymore. So... Yeah. It, it, I think I think it's it's such a good resource. I send all of my clients to your your group, Sam, because we get bombarded by so much negativity, and it becomes a self fulfilling thing, doesn't it? Because so many people have traumatic births, and so many people get told such awful things about how risky home birth is, and and it's not going to be available, and don't expect us to come out because we don't have enough people, and it's it's such an uphill struggle to have a home birth. I think. So getting, getting access to all that information and seeing other people having really positive home births and having all of those guides is really valuable. It's needed. And, and positive transfers. That's that's the other thing. So when they yeah. do transfer in, they are having better experiences because of all the stuff they've learned. Mm -hmm. So they're not having those, the, 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 trauma, the, tra the transfers aren't as traumatic either yeah. because they, they know their stuff. So when they do go in, they're still, still sticking up for themselves. They're still, you know, they're still birthing their own way in a hospital setting, which is incredibly difficult. Mm. Well, the research backs that up. It's impossible. It? It's quite wonderful that they are informed enough and maybe taken in decent advocates yeah. so that they don't get sabotaged by the units. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. This is very good news. Oh, it's a wonderful. I love it. You know, it's my baby. It takes it's a full time job. It is a full time job, you know. That's why it's got all the yeah. 
doorstep and the charge for the directory and the charge for the free birth course because I can't do it all for nothing. I can't work 40 hours yeah. a week. It's just, it just wasn't sustainable anymore. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for the members, for the people giving birth, for those people who can't afford to pay, it's free. It's all free. Mm. And I want to keep it that way. Yeah. It's wonderful. Oh, Kemi, Good come news. on then. Let's let's get you you next. What do you want to do a high or a low? Oh, what what do you fancy, Erin? What do you fancy? Um, do I do I want happy Kemi or anti Kemi? I don't know. You what, oh, what do you Ranty Kemi, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kemi, come on then. What's what's shall what's we, your low of twenty twenty two? Yeah, go on. Shall we do a low? A real scummy. Plumb the depths low. Yeah. Yeah. A really, a really minging low. Yeah. The Ockenden fuckery. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Really low. Nasty. Mm. Low. Yeah. They're just showing all the, oh, this induction. Look, this baby died. Oh, look at this induction. Look how we cut, basically cut her in half, a pair of scissors to her genitals. So you know how we can fix this? You know how we can fix this? Oh, she died. She died of a hemorrhage because of an induction. So you've got loads of that. And then, you know, you might have one home birth pop-up where you had negligent midwives that weren't listening to a woman. And they'll say, you know what? You know what will fix this? If we close the home birth units, the home birth teams, if we shut down the continuity of care model and shut the birth centres did you see? Did you see what they did there? We'll list all the babies and women that died and remained on the labour ward, and suggest the solution is closing the home births and the birth centres and guiding everyone to the labour ward. But you see, I think it must be the fluoride in the water. So many people miss the trick; mm-hmm. they just don't get it. So you've yeah. got these apparently intelligent midwives and obstetricians in units saying, oh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, it's those nasty, it's those horrible continuity of care model midwives that caused all the harm. And it's just a joke, you know, to think that they spent all of this time, to think those poor parents went through hell to finally get heard just for them to conclude that we need to stop all the continuity birthing, the community birthing. So that was a that was a new, nasty, stinking low. It was my worst night when I saw that report. That was my worst night this year. I couldn't sleep. That was a whole night not sleeping, staring at this jumped up, fucked up report. It's a it's it's worse than toilet paper. Have I said enough? Have, Kemi. I, have I told you how low it is? And, it is. Kemi, yeah. do you think that, like, getting, when you say it like that, it obviously makes no sense. Do you feel that the main problem is the intentional or unintentional confusion between vaginal birth and physiological birth? Because that's what they're no, saying. I, no, no, I think it's the intentional getting everyone onto the conveyor belt so that they can all be in their little happy place. To, you be, know, to be fixed to and saved when things go wrong. Yeah, that, that's That right. are created by the cascade of interventions. Yeah, because you know why that is. Happy. 
it's it's defensive practice isn't it mm-hmm. defensive practice it's it's damn and ignore all of the negative outcomes that come with over medicalizing birth as long as we are preventing the the worst of outcomes no matter how rare no matter how 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 few they are and I'm not I'm not minimizing stillbirth I'm not saying it doesn't happen and I'm not saying that it's not awful when it does happen because it is it is absolutely heartbreaking and awful but we are over medicalizing birth by defensive practice to prevent the the the, the most serious of outcomes at the expense of all these other births you know, all of the, yeah. the physical trauma, the mental health trauma, the trauma to the babies, trauma to the long term health of the babies. None of that seems. And, and yeah, but is. you see, that that would make sense if there weren't so many women and babies dying yeah. in these hospitals. On the labour ward, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how have they made a list of deaths? And I'm gonna add, you know, because I wish they would understand. A, that's not normal birth. So we all got the blame for this. Let's let's look at what the mainstream press did after the Ockerton report. You, I got the blame for it. I got hammered on social media. I'm sure some of you were the, yeah. you, you, you chased me. Yeah. I was being saying for years, I couldn't read all of the Ockerton report. I couldn't read it all because nothing in there was news to me. I have been saying for years no. and years and years and years and years that there are inductions and forceps delivery and instrumental delivery that should have been cesareans. That should have been. We're not not anti-intervention. And yet those of us who promote choice, which also includes cesarean at Mm -hmm. times. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I'm going to go back to my home birth group that I see is that when my members get induced for medical need, those inductions run really smoothly because I think the body knows when that baby needs out. So all these inductions that are hell are the ones that shouldn't be happening. So those very few, and how we define, it's, the Ockerton report was just horrendous. And the other one that came after it, I couldn't even read that because it was just going to be more of the same. They all say the same things over and over and over again. It's awful. But don't you think that it's because if you only have to take take a look at politics at the moment to actually see the trend of the maternity unit trying to move towards um, a private sector? So if, for example all these people were going through a business that was profiting from the intervention, it then becomes a norm. So these headlines are only enforcing the trauma. They're only enforcing the fear that people have when it comes to thinking about having their children, because it becomes this normality that all oh, the hospitals that, you know, having a continuity midwife or having a home birth is so dangerous because it's ultimately pushing a political agenda. And they don't I agree. I agree. And they don't understand the impact. So if a baby dies in a free birth, yeah, they blame the free birth. They don't have a look at why that woman was free birthing and whether she was brutalized and barbarically tortured in her previous births that has led to the free birth, has led to the stillbirth. Right. And stillbirth and free birth is very rare, but it does happen. But how many women are free birthing because of what's happened to them? So this does Yeah. 100% and also the babies that didn't die um, that have you know HIE all kinds of deprivation requiring head cooling etc babies uh, you know struggling to attain their developmental milestones and all of that that's happening now Um, you know women that have been maimed by forceps births botched forceps births babies with cracked skulls you know 
and, and all kind of soft tissue damage because of forceps use. Um, all of that that's happening whilst they're just banging the drum for induction. Just like Sam said, there's some cases where a cesarean is 100% necessary, but yet because they have so, such a low regard for women and children, they will put them through a hellish induction and then drag that baby out by forceps. There was a forceps birthday. I've, I've, well, I've been thinking two weeks about whether I should post the film or not. It's so upsetting watching them not waiting for the baby's shoulders to rotate, not waiting for restitution, just pulling that baby out of the woman literally on the transverse axis, which means it's going to cause so much soft tissue trauma for her because the baby is supposed to emerge at the AP axis from front to the back of the woman, but they care so little about women. And then they rotate the baby's necks like 90 degrees. It's just soft tissue damage that they're doing, nerve damage. They're doing that. And it's not because, oh, they think they were doing their best. It's because they lack compassion and they lack respect for women and babies. It's misogyny, um, it's, it's hate, really. It's the compassion is gone. So sorry to go on, but honestly, I know people try and say, oh, maybe, maybe they just think they're doing their best. I'm so sorry, absolutely not. I, there's something that Jenna introduced me to, compassion fatigue. I couldn't think of the word before and then it, what it was. And Jenna, it, it, two years ago, I heard her talking about it, compassion fatigue. That's what they've got. It's dangerous for healthcare providers to have compassion fatigue because that's when they start taking scissors to genitals, scalpels to abdomens, scalpels to babies' heads, forceps to babies' heads, pulling them out throwing them into NICU, bouncing them into NICU away from their mothers. So that's, and, and that is compassion fatigue. That is not, oh, we didn't know. That's, we don't fucking care. And we're going to see, I've said before, an epidemic of women's health issues. I had a forceps delivery and then I had three natural deliveries and I've spoken about it. I can't remember with one of you or on one of my other podcasts. I now have pelvic floor issues related to the episiotomy that came from the forceps delivery, right? Not the other three. The women's physio wow. identified exactly where it is, and it's the, wow. it's the top of the episiotomy scar. And the health issues that women yeah. are going to experience and be fobbed up with, because I was lucky I could afford to go yeah. to a private physio, yeah? She was amazing. But yeah. not everybody's going to be able to do that. So we're not. it's not just what's happening to women in the birth room now. It's the price they're going to pay 20, 30, 40 years down the line as well that we're not 100%. seeing yet with these 40% detection rates. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. the problem. That's the problem with these interventions. It's a problem with the short-sightedness of these short-term fixes because what they're doing is they're creating problems for the future. In the immediate period, you get a tick box of there's a live baby, there's a live mother. But actually, at what cost? what cost are we paying as a society to then have a poor, you know that the health of that that mother that baby that parent at what cost and you're right not everyone has that understanding or that education it makes me really sick to my stomach to think of those people who don't who english isn't about their first language and you tell them to do pelvic floor exercises right. and they have no clue they have right. no clue what they're doing but right. then to expect them to be you know, understand that actually this scar on my perineum could be the reason that I'm experiencing 
pain during intercourse or you know incontinence or and that's yes you don't you just think oh I had a baby that's normal that's what that's what people are told and it's it's that long-term harm that is just it's just so short-sighted to 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 make a few bucks so for anybody women women and birthing people's suffering doesn't matter like we just it's the disregard of of the societal disregard for for women and birthing people and their bodies and their emotions and their health um which transcends the perinatal period and then the compassion fatigue where where Kemi said they don't care they can't care that objectifies dehumanizes and abuses the body and then obviously the mind and the spirit and it's just I mean not really low isn't it really low yeah. the lowest really lower than that can you really you can't get lower than that can we jeez <laughs> no. so okay so let's let's, let's move on to a positive then so i'm gonna do like i'm gonna do i'm gonna call them shit sandwiches we're gonna sandwich the lows <laughs> and the highs okay <laughs> you're gonna bounce you're gonna bounce the shit sandwich okay so jenna what what's your high of this year okay um my high for this year was that independent midwives are insured for being in the birth room again um which I think is a huge is obviously it should never have been taken away um but it's a huge step back in the right direction um to support autonomy and choice and to support independent practice for conscientious and you know ain't you know just it's just the best thing that I've heard so Jenna is this in England and Wales because in in Scotland at the moment you have no independent midwives so I feel that I'm out of the loop on this one is that is it is it Kemi is it England and Wales must be really good I I thought question because it's available zest is available UK-wide so I'm I'm it may have it may be that there aren't any Scottish independent midwives who have gone for it yet. Well, we, we don't have any. We, we don't have any at present, any independent midwives. Well, oh, as, as in... At all. You might Put out the call on the podcast. At you all. might have... None. There's none you might have, To the best of my knowledge. You might have, you might have midwives... You might have midwives that are on the register who are exploring Zest, may sign up and then be available. Yeah, so, so, and I will find it out. It is quite recent, isn't it? It's quite it's, recent, yeah, the last few months. Yeah, it's quite a new thing. There's still people learning about it and signing up. Hopefully some of them will be Scottish, Helena. Oh, I really hope so. That would be mega. There was yeah. meant to be someone um, moving to Scotland in September this year, but they uh, changed their mind completely and took a break from the delivery. That was that was our one hope of <laughs> a, a practicing independent midwife. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah, it would be good if uh, maybe somebody signed yeah. up to this as a that's maybe a I don't want to stir any more shit but maybe that's more user-friendly than private midwives <laughs> yeah i said independent midwives you can infer what you like from that um they're two different but, two very different things two very different things you might not know the difference 
that this is the thing yeah, so independent, independent midwife is completely insured independent. then they're insured they're independent they're not employed by a company they don't have company policy time. yeah they have their own code of ethics in line with their profession that they follow and that yeah so independent midwives being back in the birth room is my high and I think that that is just it's going back to what supported birth and choice and physiology and also being responsive to when things are going well and when things aren't going well and being truly in tune and knowledgeable and in when people are independent I feel like the obviously when you're not independent you are policy driven because you're employed when you're independent obviously there may be sort of like random rogue people but generally speaking the people that go down the independent midwifery route would generally be they are in independently responsible for keeping up their knowledge and their skills um and that's like a requirement of their insurance and that's a requirement for them to get repeat business like it's not just come to work clock in do your job and go home and and I just think yeah it's it's such a good thing to come out of 2022 yeah yeah I agree and we've seen a flurry and then this oh this podcast is going to go out after your live isn't it Kemi but there's been a flurry of people that have recently gone independent hasn't there Kemi and you're doing it'll have been gone by the time the podcast is on but you've got a couple of people on your people can catch the replay on yeah your I've got a couple IG. of people I think a couple of us are deregistered no three of us are deregistered oh okay and one's independent yeah, yeah. but people yeah. that are so it's a real offering independent midwifery services people. not necessarily in the birth room but outside of the system hmm. yes yeah non-established keepers yeah yes yes okay okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go to helena and ask her what her low of 2022 is okay my low uh was information that hit the bbc um two three weeks ago about the cesarean rate um it's generally high in the uk but uh here in scotland we top it um the figures for 2019 to 2020 We've got Wales coming in at 28%, England at 31%, Scotland at 345 There's no data available for Northern Ireland. Um, yeah, a cesarean rate of 34.5%, and that's after the birth rate in Scotland dropped to the lowest since records began in 1855. So we have got hell of a lot of cesarean births. Um, I've got some good news for you, Helena. Mm-hmm. I've got some good news for you. Um, they're, they're probably lies, the figures, because when we do the infographics, the cesarean rates are always in the 40% here. Most of the infographics in the UK have got yeah. um, the units reporting in excess of 40%. So don't don't be too embarrassed. Don't be Ours are probably worse. <laughs> That's probably worse because these are the figures from 2019 to 20, which is the the most recent in inverted commas. Um, wow. so I, I have no problem believing that um, they're all higher. Oh, wow. Yeah, of course, you're right. Yeah, because the 2022 figures are diabolical. And yeah. of course, because um, the cesarean cap was removed by NHS England, I'm not sure what happened of Scotland. 
but NHS England removed the cesarean cap and they are riding it home big time. So, yeah, but well, your, your shame about Scotland ought to be short lived, darling, because honestly, they're all, they're all down the toilet now. It's, um, it's, it's so bad. And we have, um, we have a Scottish government who produced a report last year, which was actually full of loads of common sense things. Um, the report was all about why our cesarean rate is so high. And yet we've got yeah. health boards across Scotland who don't give a shit. They don't care about the common sense stuff. So on the one hand, you've got the government report saying things like, um, for example, I just want to give you a wee quick quote. Um, Despite lack of association between relatively prolonged labour without indications of fetal distress and detrimental health outcomes, the acceptable time for labour to progress has, gro has grown progressively shorter over recent decades without any clear medical indication of why, right? So just to sort of put that in plain language, yeah. it's become unacceptable to have a labour of over a few hours, for example, but there's no yeah. time. Yeah. You know, they're, like, they're cutting these labour short and <laughs> when people are doing well, you know, if the, the, um, the labouring person's doing well, there's no reason to move to a, a cesarean birth if they're doing well and the baby's doing well. But half the time we've got somebody on a, a central drip and then of course, oh my God, shocker, the baby doesn't like it. Of course they don't like it. They're in distress. Um, so yeah, that, that's my big low is that this um, these figures are right and certain members of um well, actually, I can name them. They're in the public domain. They've given their quotes. Um, so Dr. Alistair Campbell of my NHS Trust, Lothian, says that um, there's an increase in cesarean births throughout the UK due to complex births. And he puts this down to rising obesity and rising maternal Wait age. Wait a minute. Dude, oh, oh. I have more. I have more. <laughs> yeah, I know. <clears throat> I know you want to go and jump off on one, but so do I. It's a fucking disgrace. Um, so. But do you, do you know what makes it worse, Helena? Um, Royal College of Midwives, every time they're asked to make a statement, they say exactly the same thing. Yes. It's, you know, the older women, they, it's the women who've raised BMI, it's that they're such liars. They're not making they're the correlation. Between them treating somebody differently because of their age or their BMI or whatever. Exactly. And that yeah, they're the, the scapegoats, aren't they? Yeah. That's yeah, it's a massive like problem. Saying, like oh, saying it's obesity, let's blame the fat people. It's but then like their entire like, pregnancy, they've been pressured, they've been told they're gonna face this, that, and the other. Risk, 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 right. risk. Like mm. Bullshit, absolute bullshit. Of course, our births as plus size people aren't as straightforward when we've been fed nothing but fear and danger and risk and risk That's of right. death. And you end up with a really medicalized birth. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Where's the oxytocin right. flowing through your veins when you've been made to shit yourself your entire pregnancy by your That's care right. providers? Yes. Your care providers. That's Where's right. the care? Where's the support? Like, 
that's why that's why it's like oh yeah it's the fat folk <laughs> because we're made to feel like you know we or our children are gonna die because we're made to feel like that by them yeah it's complete scapegoating and it also completely ignores the fact that most people and um, one of the largest factors in having um a planned cesarean birth is that you previously had a cesarean birth and we all know everybody on this call that the biggest factor in having an unplanned cesarean birth if you're first baby is fucking induction of labor yep that's right it's not because your bmi is a certain number it's not because your birthday is a certain year it's because you've been coerced into being induced because you're past some magical date in somebody's calendar yeah and this is and this yeah. is why this is why our C-section rates are escalating. We're, inductions are being ramped up. More people are being induced. Therefore, more people are ending up with C-sections. Therefore, more people are ending up with subsequent C-sections. Mm-hmm. It's a vicious circle. You know, it's yeah, just it's exactly. it's just going to keep on snowballing. It's not going to get self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to say I think we need to be careful about being hung up on C-section rates because some of those cesareans are better. Than the, than the alternative of those oh, absolutely talking about so it's not the c-section rate re well really it's the amount of interventions i'd like to see them added together in, in cesareans and and instrumental deliveries That's what it, it's, the, it's the failed inductions leading to emergency yeah. c-sections that's the problem yeah. um because that's what happens doesn't it and nobody gets told well, some people get told that a C-section might fail, but they don't get told, you know, half of the, oh, the things. And, and this whole, oh, let's induce, so you're not, baby's not due on Christmas Day, so you can have your Christmas dinner, failing to say, oh, well, it could take four days, it might not work. You could get an infection and be in the hospital for another five days anyway. Like, it's just, there's just no transparency about any of it, is there? And... We're too busy. We're too busy, so we're going to bring you in for an induction and leave you for five days without doing it. Oh, it's yeah. an emergency. You really need an induction because your baby might die. But we haven't got a bed, so come back on Monday. Right, okay. Makes sense, does it? And I think that's probably a really good highlight to actually take from that information that, you know, from those situations where you're being you've fed all this information that you're at risk, you're at risk, you're at risk. Well, if you're that much at risk, then your baby's being born in that moment. Like you are being taken down for an emergency C section because your life or your baby's life is at dire risk. And that's the only way you know that's a true emergency. If someone's giving you time to wait on it because it's not convenient for them, that person isn't doing anything in your best interest. And you need to educate yourself about what on earth you're getting yourself into before you know it. And you've gone so far down the line that you then are at risk of those long-term outcomes. Um, And empower yourself because that's, you know, if there's anything that I've learned through this journey in my personal journey or my professional journey, it's that we don't know enough. We're not given that information. And I'll, I'll keep bringing it back to the politics of it all because when I see, you know, right from in my role as a lecturer, when I see the policies being sort of pushed through the education, you know, what are we supposed to be covering within the curriculum to the point that you get to the information that you're supposed to give to uh, birthing people during the antenatal appointments as a midwife. All of that is controlled by, you know, there's a wider, there's a wider agenda and the fact that people don't even know, you know, where to start or where to get the information from, it's just, 
it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy you know with the fear birth you we manage the birth when it fails we blame your body and therefore we start it all over again for the next one now, that's the issue isn't it because it's it's selective sharing or cherry picking information and sharing it with 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 parents you know the the, the thing that I shared earlier this week on on Instagram about sweeps I, I'm massively digressing now but I'm pissed off um the thing I shared on sweeps earlier about that NHS leaflet that said there was no risks with sweeps has made me fume it's made me so cross it's a prime example of cherry picking and selective information sharing which is just blatant coercion because well, it's that's not even cherry picking that's just completely ignoring well yeah pretty much ignoring it's <laughs> blatant lying <laughs> lies yeah yeah lies you know yeah. but there but, is but, cherry but, picking but, but cherry picking does happen like one of my other yeah. clients was told you have to be induced at 41 weeks because the risk of stillbirth increases sixfold that's cherry picking information because she was like, okay, because she'd done a course with me. So she was like, okay, but what is the actual statistics? Cause you know, I love research. So I love statistics. So I pass that on to the people that do a course with me. And I'm like, ask the science. So the consultant went off huffing and puffing, being really annoyed that she'd asked for the statistics and came back in and went, oh, it's, it's one in 3000 at 37 weeks at, at, compared to a, th- a six in 3000 at, uh, at 42 weeks. And she was like, but that's 0.2 percent chance for stillbirth so I'm fine thanks I'll just not be induced I'm quite happy with that risk I'll stay pregnant then but but somebody else but someone else someone else said if someone hadn't hadn't done that research had didn't know to ask for that statistic a six-fold increase in stillbirth sounds terrifying yeah and we also know that all of these interventions are not having a significant impact on the stillbirth rate, number one. And number two, the biggest killer of women is suicide. Yeah. So when That's we torture, torture women through their pregnancies, when we risk, as Laura said, as we high risk, high risk, high risk, high risk, high risk, high risk, as we have women and birthing people sobbing before their midwife appointments because they're terrified of going in the first place and coming out sobbing, from their midwife appointments because they're made to feel like a ticking time bomb we are increasing the risk that that woman or that baby is going to die by suicide suicide created by maternity services right so the biggest risk isn't actually birth anymore to the baby or the mum or birth in person it is that they might kill themselves but oh the God. highest the highest time period for that is six to nine months after birth and by then maternity services are long gone yeah that's yes. the woman's come out the woman's come out the woman or the person's come out of survival mode um the, the, the adrenaline's gone they've tried to maybe seek support been invalidated been ignored because women's needs and birth people's needs generally don't matter and they need to self completely sacrifice themselves for their baby um and then it just spirals and spirals and spirals. And actually, yeah. when it happens, the answer is, well, it was postnatal depression. And how yeah. what does that what does that mean? What does that mean? Like postnatal depression, as a psychologist, I don't believe that it's about brain imbalance. Even if there are chemical imbalances in the brain, they're not just caused by magic or genetics. They're caused by yeah. trauma and the environment yeah. and context and experiences. Yeah. And but nobody gives a shit about the experiences that have con- nobody goes 
cares enough to go back and it's again what Taz said earlier about the the short-sightedness the short term like you know you know pack it and get rid of it and then that's it and then send it to a different service and it's like there's no holistic care I know holistic's a bit of a, a, a cliche but there's no care for the whole person in maternity services and then we're left with that and it's nobody even adds up to like when when I see people with postnatal mental health difficulties and I ask what was their birth like I've been doing that recently and all the people that I work with who are not psychologists who are not in in perinatal in perinatal as much as I am they have no idea what I mean when I ask that question what was their birth like or they'll say oh you know they didn't you know they didn't hemorrhage or you know baby was fine there was no medical emergency that's what they see as that's what they think trauma is that's what even mental health professionals that's what they think trauma is it's all about the physical trauma or not the mental physical trauma what you can see and what people (laughs) would record on the notes completely different to the person's experience Mm. yeah and then when they do ask for help they threaten them with social services or they refer them to social services. Then they traumatise the role and then that makes it worse, which they just don't understand. They do not understand that when you refer a woman to a service that has the power to remove her child, you are traumatising her. You are not fucking helping her. If you're listening to this, it doesn't fucking help. And then... Okay, Sam, 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 again, I will keep being a pain in everyone's crack they do understand okay that that is causing trauma but they don't care and then the suicide yeah. rates amongst women who have had their children removed are incredibly high and then these oh, I, which i can't give you but if you're in these groups you see woman after and it's always women sorry woman after woman after woman after woman killing herself after the removal of her children and then they pat themselves on the back because they saved the baby. Yeah, because oh they don't God. realize that it was their intervention that led to what happened. It wasn't because she was the risk, it was what they Sam, did. They do realize. She's so cross. They do realize. Anyway. They're, they're not that stupid. I think they this are. Is, they this, don't care. This, um, what well, at least we saved the baby thing. And they're just the basically women and birthing t- traditionally women, um, their bodies have been objectified, sexualized, abused, depersonalized by every single yeah. power thread, power house yeah. in society, the media, politicians, like everything. When everything is sexualized, objectified, dehumanized, and that's it. Like it's like the vessel thing, and it's like you know, soon when did you share it, Kemi, where they were going to create those incubators to oh, grow babies. Yeah. So then yeah. the bodies and wombs, uteruses are not going to be needed. So no. and like when you when you yes, see the parallels, yes. I've never watched Handmaid's Tale because I feel like it's going to be too like reality. But people who have tell me that Words. we're not far off Handmaid's we're Tale. Everything yeah. real world. pods are the embodiment of the issue, I think, with the way that women and birthing people in the process of birth and growing a baby is viewed because all of 
all of that connection, all of those hormones, all of those lived experience of that fetus and that baby in the womb, listening to the mother's voice, you know, hearing her heartbeat, you know, the fact that you, the baby cells end up in your body for the rest of your life, none of that matters. And, it's and they'll matters. just open the pod when the baby's fully grown. They don't respect the, yeah, like you say, the hormonal process or any of it. And... experiencing joy and sadness and all of the human emotions that that we feel when we're pregnant the baby feels them too and mm -hmm. you cannot you cannot recreate that and mm -hmm. what impact is it going to have on the baby if it spent nine months not experiencing any of those things that you know when we laugh when we sob all all of it when the baby's inside us they do those things too well i think so anyway but they, there was um, a psychology exper experiment years ago where, and I'm I'm going to get the name wrong, so I'm not going to say it, but it was about, I think it was Harlow or Marlow's monkeys. And there was um, baby monkeys and there was um, a monkey that wasn't like soft or warm, but offered food or milk. And then there was like a soft mother um, that didn't offer milk. And the babies attached themselves to the soft, comforting, warm attuned attached version of, of their mother um because yes they need to grow yes they need food but actually they need that connection and they're mammals those monkeys and that we need that and then the ones that did you know it was an, it was an experiment in that attachment and if you just think about that like it's crazy it's crazy to think that yeah. it doesn't matter okay i'm gonna ask yeah. another question uh and i can't remember i've, I've lost my shit sandwich thread now because I can't remember if I asked for, for a positive or negative so Laura you can you can pick one what you can choose a positive or a negative for this I'll year. go with positive <laughs> for a moment um I think even though we know there's a lot of people who don't seek information or who just don't know that information is out there that we're out there I feel like this year in particular for me anyway more than ever before people are seeking people like us out I think people are starting to see shit the system is broken what the fuck is going on and I think people are looking for us and people are finding us mm. and people are becoming more informed more you know they're stepping into their power and they are taking back some ownership of their births and their antenatal care and I think that's a really really lovely thing to see yeah it's slow but it's happening people are starting I think anyway to realize no, I agree it we have we have rights actually really and I think happening. yeah I was talking to a whole bunch of my clients earlier I don't even know how this came from conversation but we we're talking about how our entire lives we're taught to just be sponges like even think about the education system mm. we're taught to sit listen do as you're told learn what we tell you to learn and that's controlled from the top the government controlled the education system they control the curriculum that is written and then that's how we're taught from very early on and through our entire lives so then we become really passive adults so stepping outside of that and being like well actually I'm going to ask you a question because we're almost in school get spoken to like we're an inconvenience or we're a pain or we're slowing down the learning of everyone else in the room if we ask a question but now we're starting to get it now people are starting to break through that fear of you know, thinking that we're a pain or we're inconvenient and people are starting to take back ownership of what they know, take back ownership of their bodies. And I think that's really, really lovely to start seeing that happening. Mm. We've got this far without mentioning 100%. it, but, does the, but um, I know Kemi will agree with me. We got this far without mentioning it, but do people think the pandemic has had 
that effect. Yes. yes. I think it's made people question a lot of the mainstream um, ideology that's been pushed. And that includes, um, I've never seen so many people decline induction of labour than I do now. I mean, they're trying to find creative new ways of making it so that they're not having these huge wait lists of people declining induction. Um, but I think that it really has changed the way that people are accessing information um, as opposed to just sort of Googling something and finding just, you know, sort of localised news on it. I think people are digging deeper. And I would agree that I think the three years that I've been doing this, this year probably has been. But then again, I don't know whether it's because it, there's a bit more visibility with practitioners, you know, people who work in the way that we do, whether you're a birth worker, you're a midwife, or whether you're a doula, whatever your you know, whatever you bring to the table, I think people, people want it. People are looking for it. Mm. The yeah. part what, is lovely. What's, what's your, what's your high or low, Taz? Oh, one that Kemi will probably laugh at is that one of my students actually asked me if I know you and I said, yes, I have her on speed. And I think I told you about this. <laughs> and, um, yeah. I think that's also because um, that's probably been a high for me is that through the work that I've been doing that I, I learned through you guys in the group um, and, and, you know, my, my, my support network, I feel like as if um, I've been able to share that knowledge with the students. And for me, it's not just the education of the people who are going to be birthing, but it's also those midwives that are going to be looking after them. Because if we can't teach the future, and I'm just teaching people who are coming through a system, a broken system, and then coming out of it, that the, the ball stops with the buck stops with them. So my high definitely has been being offered this absolutely amazing opportunity to um, work alongside a really wonderful um, team who are so passionate about physiological birth, about um, perinatal mental health. Um, and they have so much that they bring to the table themselves but in the same way, I'm so grateful because um, I often get asked as to, well, how did you get to where you've got to? And that sounds a bit rude sometimes when it's asked, but I genuinely say it's, I think it's all the people around me. It's the people who I lean on when I'm, when I'm not quite sure of myself. I think it's the people who answer the questions that I have about things that I'm not sure about because I don't know it all. And um, I think that has definitely been the highlight. Meeting you guys... Um, uh, for our little get together, um, and you know the the, the social aspect of it uh, as well is phenomenal. I love that. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I would definitely That's say that you got you possible. you guys are definitely a high of my year. Definitely. And Betty Betty's couldn't make it because she's not well, uh, jet lag and various winter bugs. Yeah. But that was her high as well, wasn't it? Mm. Having yeah. having this community. So I just wanted to. Love so name beautiful. check Betty as well. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Name check Betty. Yeah. I love that. And I think we everyone brings it a different um perspective to the to the to the conversation. Um, you've got Kemi who's such an advocate and who just doesn't even try and um, eloquently put anything in that I would try and sort of word it in a different way. Or my brain would be going absolutely a hundred miles per hour trying to think how am I going to put this so that it's acceptable to the audience that I often know are tapping into it in terms of midwives and stuff. I just love it. Um, to 
Helena, who is so aware of, you know, the inequalities when it comes to gender or racism or, you know, fatism or whatever it is, to Laura with plus size and Jenna, mental health, Samantha, where your free birth stuff is pissing people off, but my God, <laughs> my God, it's much needed. And Erin, you are the glue that brings us together. So thank you. Yay. you're so welcome I'm so glad I set up our little whatsapp group because it's been selfishly for me it's been invaluable because I think yeah. you know as a birth worker and especially when it's your own business and you're working on your own it's lonely right and, and like you said Taz like I don't know everything I don't know all the answers and quite you know I I quite often will, will fire off a question to you guys and someone will always reply um, you know, having that little that community of, of knowledge is really, really invaluable. So I'm really grateful for all you guys because you're all fantastic. All fantastic. Um, Thank you. I would say my one high, I think my one high for this year, um, I've actually quite a few, but I'm going to say one, is um, this podcast, Selfishly, because... No, because, oh. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because it's had almost 60,000 downloads, which means that wow. it has reached Woo-hoo. thousands and thousands of people. And it's a free resource. And you have all been on it. I've, you know, I've interviewed all of you separately. So you've all done an episode each. Um, and, you know, th- that information that you guys have shared is is so so important so important and and weirdly i'm just looking at the episode rankings all of your episodes are the highest the highest downloaded episodes out of seven six six seasons seven i don't know i've lost count of how many seasons done now but um uh uh, lisa's lisa's home birth uh mindful midwife lisa lisa's home birth is the most listened podcast episode out of every single episode I've got in in seven seasons oh Lisa that's impressive that's amazing amazing I mean that 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 episode alone has done so much good you know wow so so I I honestly I'm I'm so thankful for you all giving up your time for doing this and for doing your individual episodes because that that information is free information that reaches thousands and thousands of people yeah. And I've had I've had messages from people um this this month maybe because it's coming up to Christmas and people have said thank you um for the podcast and people who have given birth you know one woman gave birth a couple of years ago and she messaged me and said she's been listening to the podcast and you know she had a really positive birth and these are people that we've never met but you're mm. reaching all of those people and you're changing their births you know through free information and time that you've shared so yeah. I just want to say a big thank you to all of you for all of the stuff that you've done this year because you are changing and transforming people's experiences and that's got a knock-on effect for the rest of their lives for them and their babies. So big round of applause for you guys because you've done so much good work. Really, really thankful to know all of you. Oh, I think we finish on a high Someone needs to drop a swear word. <laughs> I think we did have a few. We had a few f bombs in there, but I think yeah. we were fairly well restrained. I thought it was me worse, so we did well. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm looking forward to next year because I'm sure everyone's yeah, exciting guests lined up for next year for the podcast, Erin. 
yes, I've got lots of ex exciting guests coming on next year. Um, I'm going to have to try very hard not to fangirl, but I'm not going to say who right now. Oh, um, save it for later. But um, oh. yeah, I'm very excited for next year's podcast. It's going to be amazing. Um, and I have all have a lovely Christmas as well. Yay, you too. Have a lovely Christmas and New Year. Really Thank you, everybody. Forward. I think I think um, we've all shown that we've we've managed to weather quite a lot of storms in 2022. So I'm I, I I'm I'm saying 2023. Bring it on, really. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Bring it on, indeed. It's going to be bigger and better. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Bye. The Better Birth Podcast and all of its content is for educational and informational purposes only. You should consult your midwife or your doctor for anything in relation to your own pregnancy and birth. The opinions and the views of the guests on the Better Birth podcast are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Better Birth or Erin Fung.